This morning's reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. As David said last week, that's a great greeting, isn't it? I've brought with me a special cross this morning, which comes from Messy Church, which I'm going to just say a few words about towards the end of my address. But if that will stay there, that would be really good. Let's pray. Father, we do give you praise that we can hear afresh the words that came from the inspiration of your Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul all those generations ago still speak to us now. Well, we pray that we might have ears open to all that you have for us, whether it's through this word or in other ways. You speak to our hearts and our minds that our wills may be released to do your will and to be your people as you truly would have us be. Amen. 
So we're thinking about what does it mean to be a church that builds one another up? Well, before we can address that question, there's another question that needs to be asked beforehand. And the first clue to the answer to that question comes from this stuff. This is giant Lego, and it is the most fantastic thing that I have ever handled when it comes to our children and grandchildren uh, being able to play and enjoy what they are doing. The question that I want to uh, ask before we can think about what does it mean to be a church that builds one another up is what are we meant to be built into? What are we meant to become? And Lego, as you know, is a, a, a way of expressing that desire to build something together into whatever your imagination might think of or what it's The way in which my son used to play when he was very little, he used to build all these things and it just came up into anything and everything that he made it possible to be. But as he got older, he got into Technic Lego and it was very complicated. But always following the instructions and seeing on the box what was really important. The word Lego, as you might know if you're familiar with some Latin, means to build or to gather together. And that's exactly the joy of the process of Lego. It gathers together, it builds together from all these different, different parts something quite special. And I think that St. Paul loved playing with his Lego because he uses the analogy of, of, the, of this building up, building from lots of different parts into something that was really, well, it was the same thing that he was looking to create or to be created. And that, of course, is the person of Jesus. The pattern that was on the box is the face of Jesus. Speaking the truth in love, he says, verse 15 of Ephesians 4, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. And so he's thinking about the church as being made up of many different pieces, all being built together. By whom? Well, by the same Jesus, by the spirit of Jesus, the source of its life. You remember verse 16, Paul continues, from him, that is Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'll come back to that in a few minutes. So we've seen who or what we're being built up to become. But what about the practicalities of it? Let's ask how. Well, the answer that the Bible gives is this, by using the gifts that each person has been given. Verse 7 says, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Each of us, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Each, every, there's no one left out. I remember a few Christmases ago, um, 
We're around the Christmas tree and the grandchildren were there and we suddenly, Sean and I suddenly realized that there wasn't a present for one of the people who were there. And we dashed into the, the cupboard and found some, a big bar of chocolate or something that we could give to make sure it was wrapped up quickly and put under the tree so that no one was left out. But God doesn't leave anyone out of his gifts of grace in the church. And there are all kinds of ways that Paul talks about here of expressing this grace that God has given. He talks about apostles, those who establish communities of faith. He talks about prophets, those who declare God's ways in the context that they are placed, who encourage and challenge, rebuke and interpret the times. They're evangelists, literally good newsers, who will tell the stories of what God has done in a way that can lead people to realizing their need of God and repenting and finding peace with God through Jesus. Paul talks about those with pastoral gifts, those who will come alongside, listening with love, and those with the capacity to teach with an appreciation of how others can learn. These are some of the gifts that Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, but there are many, many others listed in the Bible and also not listed in the Bible, which we can discern when we look around us and within. Many expressions of God's grace, administration, helping others in practical ways, the gift of generosity, creative gifts, leadership, serving, showing mercy, discerning truth, bringing wisdom, encouraging, a whole range of things. But the point that's being made here is that by the Holy Spirit, God is equipping his people to be able to serve others. Through the gifts that God gives, he's equipping his people to be able to serve others. Why? Verse 12 says, so that the body of Christ may be built up and together become more and more like Jesus. So how do we build one another up? What does it look like for us here in Christchurch, in the Christchurch family? Well, I just want to rejoice, really, that each one of us, and as I look around, I can see every single person here, apart from the people who are in the creche, the people with the children's work, and the people with the youth work, and everything else, and all the many other people who are watching Wales beat South Africa today, this morning. (laughs) Don't tell me the result, by the way, if you know it, please. Don't tell me. Um, Or tell other people. (laughs) But I want to really rejoice that this is such a gifted community that I have the privilege of being vicar within. I can play my part and you play your part. And together, we are a community that serves the Lord. I want to thank every single one of you for everything that you do to express the gifts and grace of God in your particular way. Sometimes in a hidden way, sometimes in an upfront way, but in always in a, in a grace-filled way. And it is a joy to me 
to be part of that. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. We've seen over the last seven or so weeks how we are doing that and how in different aspects of the life of the church the evidence of God's gifts have been seen. We've heard about a church that is passionate about prayer, that is engaged in worship together in different forms and the significance of gathering together to do that as well as doing that individually. We've heard of how we are all made with different spiritual temperaments, all of which affect the way that we best learn and relate to God. We've seen how what it looks like to be a church that radically loves those who are struggling with poverty and how God can transform lives and families through acts of kindness and compassion. We've considered and explored what does it look like and what does it mean to be a real church family, real with each other, building relationships with our own generation and across the generations, with friends and with those who we feel and know don't have many friends. And those of us who went to Lee Abbey were opened up to the possibilities of how we can, through the gifts of hospitality and just helping people to join in with what we're doing, we can reach out to others, maybe over food, it's acts of friendship, not only to those we know, but to those perhaps who feel a little bit left out, feel a little bit lonely, and wish they could be part, and more part of this community. We've considered how Jesus calls us to see that the harvest is now. We don't have to wait for a particular season, but that God the Father is always ready to welcome home those who feel lost in life. And we're seeing that. It's just the most amazing thing. God seems to be bringing salvation to folk that we can nurture. In my time here, um, I'm beginning to see more people coming to Christ than I have for a long, long time. God is on the move. Somebody said he's up to something, Joe. <laughs> We've seen how the church of Christ Jesus can live simply when it gets its priorities right, when it doesn't measure its value by the quantity of its activities, but the quality of its relationships. That's the church that I want to be part of. And last week we rejoiced in an outpouring of grace through baptism and the inner working of God's Holy Spirit in many people's lives. God filling us with unconditional love that we might become a community of grace that overflows to others. And so it is that the Church of Jesus Christ here in Downend is blessed and is built up so that we might become a blessing to others. And that's the purpose of it. Each of us has been blessed without exception. Each of us has a part to play in building one another up in whatever way is appropriate for us. 
All of us together are called to be a means of God's blessing to the people of Downend, to the people on our front lines, to the world which is so fragile, so confused, so pressurized, so painful and violent. Why? So that we can seek in Jesus' name to offer the grace of God and to see those needs met in a way that only Jesus can. We build one another up as we, each of us, use the particular gifting that we have. And it's for us, individually and together, to discern what those are. So I'd like to conclude the series we've been looking at by coming back to the cross. And this cross that you can see a detail of on the screen and you can see in front of me here, uh, was made at Messy Church out of broken pieces of crockery, lots of black and white pieces of plates. And the Messy Church teaching used it to symbolize how Jesus died so that broken lives can be made whole and that broken relationships can be mended. But I want to go back to Ephesians 4 in that first verse. As a prisoner for the Lord, says St. Paul, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So here is how we become that community, the community of the disciples of the risen King. Remember we began our series thinking about in Acts, the disciples were so full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit of Jesus, that it was the risen Jesus that was flowing through their lives and shining out and attracting others to become disciples themselves. But Paul, in his brokenness as a prisoner, urges Christians to become true disciples of the one who was broken for them. To live a life worthy of the calling you've received. That calling to be a committed follower of Jesus, a disciple. Not just a believer, but a disciple. One who is a child of God. With an identity as simple and as profound as that, who is loved and believed in by God. A disciple is someone who God sees as the one who has the potential to become like his son Jesus and has given the grace and gifts to play the unique part in the life of Christ's church that each of us has. And as a disciple, he says, be completely humble and gentle. The most important word in that sentence is not humble or gentle. <laughs> it's be, isn't it? God doesn't ask us to do something great or doesn't ask us to do lots of things. He asks us to be to be a human being, 
and to be completely humble and gentle, patient and bearing with one another in love. In other words, he says, let your pride be smashed like these plates were. Because pride is the thing that gets in the way of humility and gentleness with people, of patience. When we're so full of self that we are incapable of hearing others. Let that be broken by the love of Christ who was broken for us and hold open hands to receive a better way of living. To be not humiliated but to be graced with humility and a gentle spirit that is learning to be patient for you and I are a work in progress. <laughs> That's the really good news. We are all works in progress and therefore we learn to bear with one another in love for every one of us is in the same place. The ground around the cross is level ground. And so these broken pieces on this cross representing the broken people of God and the broken heart of Christ and body. But they are held together in the cross shape by this glue, this paste, this grouting that is representing love itself. Okay, thank you. My battery's gone. My energy's still here. And I'm nearly finished. I'm just going on here. The representation of the cross with that cement that binds everything together is reminding us that it's the love of God that binds us together, to quote a very, very old song. As we therefore are learning to live a cross-shaped life, so the resurrection power of Jesus may shine through his church. And if we devote ourselves to that pathway of authentic discipleship, I really believe that there's no telling what our great God could make us to become in the next year, or the next three years, or 30 years. Do you believe that? It's an astonishing thought. All he asks is that we abandon ourselves to him, become broken people, so that we might live cross-shaped lives that the power of the resurrection may shine through. Let's pray. We're going to sing in a moment now, so the band would like to come forward. Father, we want to rejoice that in you we are people who are built together by your Spirit. We rejoice that your love holds us in relationship to each other and to you. May we be always rejoicing in what you are doing, discovering the new things that you want to do in our lives, releasing the potential that we have by your power and seeing your kingdom come as we reach out and look up to a world in which you've placed us. 
Amen.